CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. You are now listening to Postmortem with Mick Garris, where the most influential voices in horror cinema will spill their guts, literally, to the renowned horror director, writer, and producer. Now, here's your host, Mick Garris. I'm Mick Garris, and from Nice Guy Productions, world headquarters overlooking the glamorous San Fernando Valley, this is Postmortem. Just as there are societal classes in life, the same is true in movies. At one end of the spectrum are the major studio behemoths, Marvel franchise movies that cost hundreds of millions of dollars and gross in the billions. There are the theatrical indie companies that find great success in cinemas with international and more modest budgets and themes, companies like Searchlight, which is a part of 20th Century Fox, Blumhouse, part of Universal, and Focus, also part of Universal. Then there are the true independents that are unaffiliated with the big guys. Bleecker Street, A24, IFC, Neon, and Music Box, all of whom have been able to get their movies onto the big screens with a great deal of success. Even Netflix and Amazon have found homes in cinemas with a select few of their movies. Then come the films that go direct to video on demand, or get sold directly to Amazon or Netflix or Hulu, often to disappear without a trace. How do you find the good ones? How do you shine a spotlight on them? Could it be that the era of the truly independent theatrical features, especially in the horror genre, could be at an end? In the 1970s, it was easy to find alternative fare in the downtown movie houses, grindhouses or otherwise, and the ubiquitous drive-ins. Well, the grindhouses are gone now, either raised to the ground, turned into churches, or, if you're lucky, maintained as concert and live theater venues. And the same goes for the drive-in. Truly independent movies are clinging to life by their fingernails. The avenues of distribution have been appropriated by the big boys. The multiplexes play one Marvel movie on eight of their 12 screens. When marketing costs run into the very high millions to distribute a single film, how can a movie with a million-dollar budget without movie stars or high-end visual effects spectacles compete? Unfortunately, the answer is that they can't. Oh, there are the occasional gems that break through and make a mark, like The Witch, Hereditary, Tigers Are Not Afraid, handful of others. But they are the exceptions that prove the rule. Lloyd Kaufman is the definition of independent filmmaker. He has weathered the tides of change in film creation and distribution, and his Troma Films Company is still here despite the battering of an indifferent industry. We'll talk with him about his victories and challenges after this. It's 2020, and surfing the web is dead. All the horror news you need is now just one click away. Fangoria.com is your first destination for all the horror news of the day, featuring a constant curation of the Fango team's favorite links from across the internet. You'll also find deep dives and daily thoughts from the biggest names in horror, as well as exclusive access to the Fangoria Vault. Check out Fangoria.com for yourself and see the horror right before your eyes. Use promo code POSTMORTEM for 15% off right now. So Lloyd, where did it start for you? Was your family uh, interested in the arts? Uh, my mother was uh, a theater person. Uh, theater. Uh, and uh, I, we subscribed uh, Mondays to opera, and uh, I went to a lot of Broadway shows. And, and you were I, raised in New York. Uh, yes, uh, raised in New York. We had a lot of theater people in our home, uh, some of them uh, uh, stars. Uh, and um, uh, I, I was obsessed with musicals. I, I had no uh, thought of going into any form of, of show business. I was mm. uh, into uh, something else. So... Um, the, uh, the 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 it wasn't until I went to Yale that uh, I happened to be roomed, stuck in a room with a movie nut uh, my freshman year, and uh, he ran the Yale Film Society, and our he- our beds were head to toe uh, at, at night, very small bedroom, and I would inhale his 
go down stinking feet and <laughs> eventually the aroma du trauma <laughs> wafted uh, for now it's 50 years I've been making so, feature length movies so it beckoned but um, so w- there were never thoughts of going into theatrical performance or creation of that sort and no uh, but uh, oddly enough there's a toxic avenger musical that has been very successful uh-huh. And it played in New York for a year. And I'm looking into, uh, uh, I have the authors, uh, in fact, it was written by uh, Bon Jovi's uh, uh, David Bryan and Joe DiPietro. Both of them are Tony Award winners. Wow. And uh, it's very good. And it only has five actors. And it's hilarious. And the music, you go out singing and dancing, and it's funny as, as hell. And uh, uh, so I'm, I'm looking, starting to to look for uh, off off broadway maybe make a tiny little production and see if i can uh, you know the director of the talk the creator of the toxic avenger is is uh, going to direct a show a theater a theatrical musical in new york city so if if i can put it together that might be an interesting uh, uh, event it'll come full circle to your Would infatuation with musicals right? yeah, yeah yeah i think i i, I know a lot about musicals uh, having a being a gay married man, having wept through every <laughs> Judy Garland, Barbara Streisand musical, I think I, I think I can handle it. Your qualifications are intact. <laughs> I think so. And Poultry Guy's Night of the Chicken Dead, which was recently uh, in an editorial, of course, in one of your major papers, uh, is uh, is a is a kind of a musical. Uh, it's not a classical musical. It is like, not uh, a classical. Uh, musical. You know, it's not the way uh, Trey Parker's Cannibal the Musical, which is a trauma movie. A trauma film. That's yeah. like Oklahoma. Uh, ours is is uh, more irregular like my bowels (laughs) the songs don't come when they're supposed to come you know well let's let's go back to that beginning because i'm glad you got some kind of tablecloth on your couch here because yeah i've got we don't want to cut furniture speaking of irregular bowels i'm I'm 73 now oh my god we're in trouble trauma is the 45th year of trauma by the way which is amazing it's a miracle for any independent company yeah that's right miracle productions (laughs) if it's is if it's a classic film it's a miracle when you think about about the kind of movies we've made exactly. mean, and michael hers is basically the ceo he he's managed to make us profitable for uh, you know with no debt for 45 years and with movies like uh, you know blood-sucking freaks and surf nazis must die and sergeant and, kabuki man and the new one is called hashtag shakespeare's shitstorm and so you're directing this one right i've directed about 30 of them yeah. Usually if I direct a movie, it'll go into uh, a couple of hundred theaters. Not all at once, but one by one by one by one. And uh, uh, you met at Lemley out here in Los Angeles. Very nice to us. Uh, yeah. and the uh, Alamo chain. Alamo but we don't, house, yeah. Lemley gives us a couple of weeks if we do okay. We get a week and then we can get held over. Uh, Alamo, it's usually a weekend if we're lucky, or yeah. you know, maybe a week if they really. Well, we went through that with Nightmare Cinema. You know, we got basically a week or a weekend in one theater in a handful of cities, and and it's it's well, challenging. Oh now. well, you and you had stars. You had a major. Uh, well, we just did. that opening. The opening uh, movie was uh, uh, should have gotten you uh, <laughs> Cinerama or whatever. Wow, well, it should. Yes, but but well. <laughs> It, but it's a great movie. I really enjoyed thank it. Thank you so much. Great themes. I, I appreciate it. Um, you know, it's it's great to be able to get a group of talented filmmakers and cut them loose on letting them do whatever they want to yes. do. Yes, yeah. And yeah. that's great. Well, and that's your history. You've always been on the outside, and it's worked for you really well. It's also been challenging as the industry has changed. But how did trauma come together i mean i know the first film you ever made i believe was a short that you did when you were in africa and it was shooting a pig being killed yes we lived i lived i took a year off from yale uh, and went uh, to uh, what i wanted uh, to be uh, africa of the movies i wanted to devote my college career to learning about china and africa because i went to a very strict uh, all boys Latin school and it was all about Europe and the United States and they hardly ever mentioned I mean you know we, we got I graduated from high school in 64 so mm-hmm. you know before <laughs> was, the enlightenment yeah before yes <laughs> you said it you said it and uh, so I decided I'd go and live in the bush of Chad and uh, and we had our own animals and uh, you know we didn't have running water we had a lot of naked uh, non-males running around or whatever right. 
I don't know what the political, we call them gyno-Africans because that's apparently what NPR wants you to say. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I don't know what's, uh, that was a while back. It was when I was And what was that. the purpose of that trip to Africa? Well, I was there basically to because my I had uh, I hate to keep talking about myself, but I blew a fuse. That's I think. why we're uh, here. I grew up in Manhattan, uh, a block of cement, and uh, then all boys for thirteen years uh, at Trinity School. Then Yale was all boys and strict, and uh, you know what, uh, you know, just constant grinding, and uh, and I figured, what the, I gotta, I gotta. You know, I got to cool off. You needed a relief a, a, valve. Yeah. Some kind of a, yeah, blew a fuse, I think. So yeah. uh, I went to Chad. I lived in the bush. No telephones, no electricity, no running water. Uh, uh, and um, You uh, did it just to get away or to I did study? It to, or? I, did it to, I did it to get away, but also there was a, a subsidiary benefit, which I didn't really do it for, but it kept me out of Vietnam, getting my ass shot off uh-huh. in a stupid fucking bullshit war. Uh, that uh, there was no way I was going to uh, join up. Right. And uh, it, it, get, it gave me another year because I was allegedly in dangerous area, a lot of disease. And there wasn't fighting like now. Like you couldn't go to Chad now. You couldn't even right. go in the country. But uh, then I, I could sleep on the, uh, out in the road. I slept on the side of the road, no problem. And um, there were you know, animals and all that kind of stuff. But I was working basically as a pathfinder for the Peace Corps. They ah. they needed people to test the area to see what the diseases would be, what the what were the political issues. Uh, where I was were uh, different uh, races living, all t- like six different types of African. So uh, you were a volunteer with the Peace Corps, which was President. Well, I wasn't. Kennedy's no, I was AID. I was ah, uh, okay. brought in by AID, but I was actually working for the Chadian government, teaching English in a college enseignement général. Being a very bourgeois, I learned French as a child, so uh, you know I could speak French. But I was teaching them English, which was absolutely useless to the people in which uh, uh, I was <laughs> in right. contact because they, they didn't even know Kennedy had been assassinated. You know, it was really it, it was totally cut off. It was, uh, but it was Africa is Africa. I mean, it was beautiful. So it everybody had to be was mind healthy. Expanding. Pardon? It had to be mind. Oh my expanding. God! Absolutely. So I mean, me talk about a, a, a cultural anthropology. I I had never taken an anthropology course. I knew the only thing I knew about Africa was from John Ford movies, you know, that kind of <laughs> stuff. And and uh, and of course, uh, African Queen. Right. Uh, John Houston. John Houston. Yeah. And uh, so so uh, you know the concept of time. I saw totally different from ours. Big is valuable. Doesn't really matter. You know, if it's an artistic piece that might have taken you a week to carve, mm-hmm. a big one is, you know, more. Of, That's it was more really, momentous. It yeah. was a, yeah. yeah, and it was the 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 the, the 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 different villages. There were different chiefs, and it was an interesting area where I was in. But they all had very sophisticated interpersonal relationships and and verbal communi- you know, stories and you know, there, it wasn't re- you know, and I I kind of got all this before I. I learned it from Levi Strauss or any uh, of the anthropologists. I saw it up front and personal, and it really was interesting. And it also, in retrospect, you see how uh, sad the uh, situation is in Africa. So what kind of interpersonal relationships did you have there? You weren't just dealing with people from the Peace Corps side or the No, AID no, there side, were very few. But you uh, had friendships There were no with the Peace Corps. There were no Peace Corps whatsoever. Right. Although, I, based on my, uh, I got all sorts of interesting uh, Diseases. I got malaria, a mild form of malaria. I got mm. dangue fever. Uh, uh, I got every kind of uh, st- uh, social disease. I mean, I had eyeballs on my penis. I mean, you could, <laughs> you cannot imagine what I got. And the but view. that that yeah. was not the. I, I, you know, I'm sure the Peace Corps. But the thing is, I was able to. I with all the, sh- I, you know, I had absolutely no preparation to go there. Uh, uh, no. And window. what had you? What did you study at Yale? Uh, well, um, my major ended up as Chinese studies uh, because I wanted to, you know, learn about China and Asia. And I know you are fluent in French and Chinese. Well, and I'm fluent in French. Chinese, I was pretty good, uh, but I've lost it. Well, your work is so international, but I'm, but I'm curious about what led to you first picking up a film camera and deciding to take pieces of film and putting it into a narrative. Well, this was um, while you were in Africa. I, I, right? Oh, oh, and, and uh, well, actually, before I went, my roommate was uh, obsessed with uh, with the auteur theory of uh, cinema, and, and that's mm. what they programmed at the Yale Film Society. So I'd uh, go in there, uh, seeing if I could hook up with a young. So, did you think of becoming a filmmaker while you were at Yale? No, 
Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, by the time I got back from Africa, I, did, I had pretty much decided I think I'm going to. And I bought a 16 millimeter camera and brought a load of film there uh, and uh, uh, filmed uh, some various. Uh, I, I got a lot of good anthropological stuff, which mm -hmm. uh, I think Yale has, actually. Uh, so I think I gave it to my professor. So when you, you went to Africa, to Chad, did you take a camera with you, or was yes. it so you wanted to do sociological filmmaking? And, and well, I didn't know. I just it was just, you just a, wanted to record something. Well, the, it was you know it looked like the, where I was, there were people uh, dancing in circles with big sticks, and there was another village where they were uh, wearing weird things and masks, masks, Toxic Avenger masks. Right. We had tons of naked uh, ladies everywhere, naked gyno Africans. And uh, so that might have put the seed into my, uh, you know, I, again, I had a very, uh, I, I, I believe, I, I, yes, I can say that, well, I don't know, I might have, I, I got laid in France once, uh, thanks to Oliver Stone. Well, we, <laughs> thanks we, to we paid for it. Yeah, I grew up with him. And, and, uh -huh. and he, his, his mother was French, actually. And so we, we would, uh, I spent a lot of summers in, in France. But I, I, I think we may have, uh, I think we, we, we went to Les Alles. In those days, the Pompidou Center was basically the horror central for uh, Paris. Right, so right. So Oliver took me there. And, and then at the end, in the morning, you'd have like oysters or some kind of stuff afterwards. <laughs> but Chad was basically my uh, breaking virginity kind of thing. Right, interesting. Yeah, so I was totally irresponsible. I, I, but I didn't get kicked out. The Peace Corps was there for the and got kicked out. I, I, I did really? everything wrong. I didn't get kicked out. The only thing that happened to me was I, I, uh, I was living with three French guys, in a sort of a, a cement block. It didn't have screens. Didn't have water or anything, but um, it was uh, a bit away from the, the area, the town area, and uh, but I I moved into the town and uh, this guy who ran a general store. Uh, um, I can't remember what race he was but or tribe whatever you call him uh he gave me a, a house uh and so i had this young lady with me uh, very beautiful very nice and i had a great time and then the catholic priest from the uh, what do you call it uh, from the what, village what, from the, well the, the what, uh, uh monastery not monastery uh, you know they're trying to convert people oh yes whatever okay. they call those things he, he came over to where i was staying with the french guys and he said, I'm going to tell the American ambassador that you've been fucking around with the whatever. And the American <laughs> ambassador was very nice to me. And uh, so I didn't want, you know, I was like, how many Americans came through Chad? You know, I was like one right. of three. Right. So um, I didn't want to cause him any trouble. He was a really good guy. And sent, he, he would send us uh, uh, boxes of things that you, you couldn't get jam, for example. You couldn't get anything like that. So uh, he would send stuff to us, and uh, other, and he also uh, shipped stuff for me. I mean, they, they were very nice. So this and, was an incredibly in, uh, inspiring cultural uh, exploration. Well, I had to I had to leave my uh, house in the village with my beautiful Ashatu, and then uh, go back with the French dudes because I, <laughs> I uh, the, the, the priest was, was threatening, and I didn't want to. You know, if it was today, I would have told him to go screw himself, but. Uh, and especially now, every time I look at a priest, I have to look at, uh, you know, I can't even, I, the first thing that comes to my head is, uh, you know, what? Right? <laughs> yeah. It's a whole different world now. Yeah. I would have, you it know, is a different God knows world. what that guy was doing. You know, who knows? And you're 18, 20 years yeah, old at the time? 18, something yes, like 18. That. Yeah, so <laughs> exploring this. Totally immature. But but you made your first film there, a short film. Well, the uh, Killing the Pig, yeah. Right. And, and, uh, and what and, was that all about? And it had a real effect on you in in your filmmaking philosophy, well, the, the it fun, seems. <laughs> I well, don't know. But, I mean, Well, you know, I'm a very an strong animal rights person, and that yeah. was, uh, you know... I'm I, a vegan myself. So. Uh, well, I'm not yeah. as, as heroic as you, but no, I'm vegetarian. Hard. I don't eat, yeah. uh, other than human flesh, I eat no flesh. <laughs> and uh, But uh, uh, then I, you know, they, we raised this pig. Uh, we, had to, they, we had to eat. The guy slit its throat, hung it upside. You know, it was sort of a little documentary. But the fun was to, uh, you know, I cut it together. Uh, with so a, to speak. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then show it to uh, my bourgeois mother and her friends with their martinis and uh, and they would go you know it was the excitement of just seeing how pissed off they were and how disgusted they were 
was uh, definitely, and I'm pretty good. I think I've developed the pissing people off uh, <laughs> and very, very uh, expertly. Over but the it does 50. seem to have been a recurring theme in what trauma has been all about is like this galvanizing, shocking elements that, oh, look how I can manipulate an audience by breaking the rules and and shocking them. Well, certainly The Toxic Avenger was the first movie with a, a full head-crushing scene. There you go. As far as I know, of course, now Spielberg and Terrence Malick, they're all doing it, but um, uh, the, the Toxic Avenger was the only movie uh, with a full head-crushing scene that was made into a, uh, a, a environmentally correct children's Saturday morning cartoon show. There you the go. The Toxic Crusaders, which yep. um, uh, we still own and we are still, it's on our, uh, our Troma Now streaming service, and people love it. It was on Fox for a couple of years, and uh, quite uh, quite a good show. Uh, so, uh, well, let's let's go back to the roots of of Troma and how it actually happened. Um, Troma, you were making your own movies, but you're also acquiring other people's movies. But well, how did it start in the very beginning? We were, uh, Michael Hers and I w were wanting to make movies uh, without being told w w what to do. And I, I was working. You have a rebellious streak, don't you? Uh, yeah, and I regret a lot of it, too. Yeah, I, I, I regret, you know, Edith Piaf was uh, very wrong uh, with her, je ne regrette rien. Je regrette beaucoup. I regret bo <laughs> plenty. Boy. Uh, but um, uh, uh, the, the, the thing was, um, we just didn't want to be told what to do. And it seemed logically, hey, you make, you know, when you're 19, 20, 21, whatever, uh, anything's possible. You know, uh, um, Oliver and I grew up together and he went to Vietnam the year I went to, uh, he volunteered to go fight in Vietnam as an infantry guy. Right, leading the, to platoon the, later. The year yeah. that, uh, yeah, yeah, and he got wounded too. And he's a genuine hero. He was yeah. a genuine hero. I saw the certificate here. You know, he rescued people from a tank bomb or something. I don't know, but it mm. was. It, 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 but uh, I, I wouldn't. And he was off. Vietnam turned him around. Right. Uh, Africa certainly left its mark on me, but uh, Vietnam really left its mark because he was right wing and and. Uh, it seems know, the more you're. He would have been voting for your buddy Trump here. Uh, no, not my buddy. Not, well, you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean. You know, but no, but it seems anymore, like the, the more international experience people have, the more progressive their politics. Well, I think there's some truth to that. Yeah, although uh, Mr. Stone's been uh, kissing Putin's ass, uh, boy, that documentary, mm. holy Christ! Yeah, you know, it, it's the other side of it. You know, it's uh, uh, again, it's kind of yin and yang. You know, right? Yeah. Falling. So the beginnings of trauma. Uh, the first. Yeah, film. we we made three movies, and yeah. uh, uh, you know, I, I go to Yale. You meet rich kids. I have dentists. They're rich. so we raise money. Uh, we made sugar cookies with Mary Warrenov and. Uh, and thanks to Oliver, he insisted, he wanted to have a, you know, smart him. Uh, we put in Monique Van Voren, who was kind of a half star. And uh, <laughs> I had hung out with Warhol, so I was able to get some of those Warhol, uh, Dean and uh, one or two others. And um, and uh, we got nothing back. It's a good film. In fact, right. when it so came So you were out, around the factory at that time. Yeah, right? I hung yeah. out when I was at Yale. I used to hang out at Max's and, uh, and in the factory, too, with my little bar mitzvah suit. You know, we always <laughs> we had to Warhol. wear ties yeah. and jackets, right? Wow. We yeah. literally I grew up with that stuff. So, uh, you know, and then, uh, you know, I, I was just watching. You know, I, I wasn't right. really... You weren't a participant? Well, I wasn't, you know, goody-goody. Yeah. And... Uh, and uh, it was later that I got into good But stuff. Sugar Cookies was your uh, first. Yeah, it was a remake of Vertigo, uh, but with lesbians. And it's uh, very good. No. It's a, it's a, I, the mistake is, and I regret it, is I should have directed it. Mm. But uh, there were older, older guys involved, and I unfortunately listened to them. But, um, well, you it's think still people good... with experience know more than you do, and then you learn. Yeah, I raised all the money from my friends and dentists. Yeah. And... Uh, you can't imagine how many teeth I had to have pulled just to raise the money for that movie. <laughs> I can't <laughs> no, imagine. Quite. So that was the first one. Yeah, and, and we didn't make any money. It's an it was an X-rated movie. Can you imagine the yeah. first X-rated movie and probably the only one in history that that, that, <laughs> that lost, didn't make lost money. Yeah. And we were so sure, oh, this is definitely going to make money. We had these two older guys, uh, and it wasn't Troma in those days. Uh, we, it was a company called Armor. Right and right. Uh, and uh, and then uh, Menachem Golan came along, uh, 
Uh, I got a great deal. All you got to do is you put up the money. We do everything else to sell Everybody in Israel sees every movie six times. We make an Israeli negative and an American negative and uh, blah, blah, blah. So Andy Lack, my childhood kid, uh, who was luckily untouched by the sugar cookies failure, he came in to produce. <laughs> Andy Lack is now running NBC News and having right. lots of fun with it. Oh, with yeah. His, <laughs> With his, uh, I've in seen the, in the hashtag Me Too world. Yeah, that's for sure. But uh, we Matt wrote who? a script. Yeah. Uh, pardon, Matt? Who? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Bathrobe one. Uh, anyway, we wrote a good script together. Andy liked it. We uh, we wrote it, uh, and uh, and then the Israeli guys went off to set it up. And um, when we got there, uh, it, it all changed. Uh, they changed the whole thing around to suit the what they thought would suit the Israeli market because there's this two negatives, the Israeli one where you break even, the Hebrew version, and then <laughs> the English version, that's where the gravy is. Right. So anyway, we made the worst movie ever made called Big Gus, What's the Fuss? And, uh, <laughs> and no stupid gravy. Again, listening to older people, if there are any young people out there, don't even, don't even listen to me if you're out there. In fact, <laughs> you should definitely not listen to me. My yeah, my, uh, what do you call it? Uh, business model is not really the, not the, the suggested well, one. But your business model was, and the only thing you can do as an independent is you don't have money for stars. You have limited resources. What has proven to be the most reliable, profitable way to make independent movies is sex and violence. Did you find that to be the case? Because... Troma represented first a lot of set stuck on you and and uh, a lot of uh, well we sex you're romps. right that's a yeah. very good point we got into uh, we got lucky we made a movie called all the movies that I personally have been involved in have political and sociological themes uh, and that may be one of the reasons that we've had a pretty good take up on them but we made a movie about the uh, uh, in '76 uh, about the that was based on the equal rights amendment kind of thing. Uh, called Squeeze Play, about a woman's softball team uh, 15 years before the much inferior league of their own came out. And <laughs> Squeeze Play combined sex. With, you weren't supposed to combine sex and comedy, right? right. The, the sex was like a serious thing for to enhance the raincoat uh, right. manufacturing. So uh, <laughs> we made this goofy, uh, raunchy, R-rated. Well, in, yeah, it was R-rated. And the MPA totally fucked us on the rating. Uh, mm. They were the scum of the earth. But um, uh, luckily, we put a lot of the stuff back in after we got the R rating. And, uh, uh, so you and Roger Corman and, used uh, the same playbook. In well, that well actually, I yeah. learned that from uh, Lee Hessel, who uh, taught me a lot about producing. And we did Cry Uncle. I uh, helped him produce Cry Uncle, which Strom is still distributing, directed right. by the great uh, John G. Avelson. The director of Rocky. A yeah. much underrated uh, um, Cry Uncle, a much yeah, underrated it's a good uh, film. Uh, film uh, by a very underrated director. Yeah. Uh, Ian Romero, I think, uh, and Mick Garris, of course. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the three course. treasures that I think uh, do not get a fair uh, a fair deal. Oh, I've had a fair enough deal. So. <laughs> it's it's all good. Well, so, so again, let's talk about the sex and violence or sex and horror. Yes. Um, well, the point your is... Your approach to sex was playful for the first time. Well, the time. point is, if you do something different, uh, it might work. And we got in ahead of Porky's and uh, and uh, we got uh, four movies that made a lot of... Well, not, we actually distributed some too, mm -hmm. but the ones we actually directed. And in those days, Michael Hers and I were... Well, I guess, uh, yeah, from Waitress on, uh, we were doing them all together, uh, directing together. And it was great. And then Michael Hers became an adult and decided to, <laughs> to try to make a success out of trauma and he became the CEO and uh, I... Attended to the uh, so the creative the art yes <laughs> the, the art. art of the trauma. Um, By the way, there's a beautiful book that's come out, uh, the art of trauma, a coffee wow. table book. Uh, Is two art versions. in quotes? Uh, no, no, it's <laughs> no, a serious. Uh, well, yeah. it's a beautiful book. Uh, yeah, uh, lots oh, of good. posters. You know, the, the literally the art of trauma. Right. But there's a, a, a two versions: the deluxe version, uh, of which there are only a thousand, and then I guess however many thousands the other version. Uh, it's very nicely done. Diamond, uh, diamond, uh, whatever. Publishing? Yeah. No, not dynamite. Sorry. Dynamite, dynamite publishing. Dynamite. Okay. Uh, very good job. Well, sex, violence, horror. 
it's also about taboos. You have one of the strengths of trauma is there are no taboos. I think Poultrygeist may be the shining example of breaking every taboo of uh, a commercial movie there is. It's so interesting, though, that, I mean, we're not the only ones. The problem is there are a lot of young people who think that that's all there is to it. Right. You 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 get a few women, you run them through the forest, you lop their heads off and throw blood and and uh and you make money, but it it doesn't you have to have something that's at least it's got to be entertaining. Right. And uh and you got to get the one thing Rupert Murdoch doesn't have and the one thing that the uh that the elites don't have is uh, the mega conglomerates don't have is word of mouth. They can't buy it. Right. I just saw it with Slim and Queen. I ran to see it first night. My wife, too. It sounded great. The New York Times ejaculated over it every day of the week. Yeah. And it sounded great. And it, it looked, and the actors are terrific. Uh, the theater was empty. Yeah. And in New York City. Yeah. But the public found out day one that, it, that, it's, no, that it, 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 it's a lazy writing. Next mm. door is uh, the knife, uh, knife out, knives out. Knives out. Right? Yeah, Which yeah. sounds like a crappy Agatha Christie, uh, Strangers on the, tr- no, the, uh, 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 you know the thing on the train uh, right, with right. all the stars, the, the, the megastars. Uh, um, yeah, the oh, Orient Express. The, right? Yeah, Murder on the Orient. But it Express. turns out it's directed yeah. by Ryan Johnson. Right. It's a really good movie, and the yeah. place was packed. And, and uh, I told my wife, I want to sneak in. Let's go after uh, Slim and Queen. Let's go to right. the ne- go next door and see the knife thing. But she doesn't. She nah. said, that's dishonest. You know? <laughs> and she's a New York State Film Commissioner retired. So okay, she, well that's she was fair twenty enough. years New York State Film Commissioner. So she what do you want her, when uh, you go to see a movie? What are you looking for? What are the What are the things that excite you when you go to the movies? Uh, the director. Yeah, it's all in my book. It's all it's the director, and I know writers are very underrated, and they and underpaid and underrated, and and. Um, you know, Preston Sturgis, uh, yeah. one of my heroes, was a writer. The first and, uh, writer-director in Hollywood. Yeah. Sorry? The first writer-director in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. yes. And and five smashes in a row, and they still destroyed him. Yeah. Right? His, yep. obi- his, uh, his uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, a book. His, his, autobi- bio- his biography, uh, uh, yeah. Between the, the Flops. Right. Between right? the that Flops, one. Preston Sturgis. It, it, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah. and and uh, One of the most important they writer-directors ever. Yeah. <laughs> They brought him down, right? And, and, Completely. Yeah. yeah. Howard Hughes bought his contract and then basically ruined his professional yeah. life. Well, how do you see yourself in the filmmaking world? You, there's no question that you're a maverick. You're an independent with a company that's been going for 45 years, which is almost unheard of. So how do you see yourself in this constantly state of flux world of filmmaking? I say fuck the flux. <laughs> That's a line from the first turn on, which is Vincent D'Onofrio's first movie. Ah. And I would say the first turn on is our funniest movie. And it's also the one that Michael Hers had the most uh, uh, of Creative his soul input. into. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it is uh, his and his wife's story to some extent. But uh, uh, that was a <laughs> fuck the flux. Right. Was well, a, well, what is your philosophy as a filmmaker? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of politics in even the most grotesque. Um, elements of your films, there's always some social consciousness injected. Uh, uh, yes, I had a very socialist grandmother who instilled in me a very uh, anti-Nixon philosophy. To her, Castro was a hero. He kicked mm-hmm. out the whores and the croupier, and and uh, she gave me a book when I was a child called uh, Brave New World. Oh, but it yeah. wasn't the one you're thinking of. It was about yeah. China. Oh. And, uh, and uh, at Christmas, you know, other kids would get, uh, you know, a new bicycle. I'd get a book from International Publishers, which was a communist publishing house. Mm. But, uh, you know, it, 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 it would be by Scott Nearing or uh, uh, Carlos Lamont. You know, there were all these uh, older uh, socialists still going, you know, had been blacklisted and... Uh, Wow. So I got a heavy dose of uh, of uh, that from my grandmother. Of lefty and, politics, yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. And, and it uh, remains. It's Oh, it definitely remains, yeah. you bet. Uh, and, uh, but it also, the, there's a lot of goofy stuff going on on the far left that makes no sense either. So, so but I, I think the, the, the advice I would give to young people who are starting out is uh, um, twofold. One, uh, to thine own self be true, uh, which, as you know, is a phrase coined by uh, one William Shakespeare who wrote uh, 
101 best-selling screenplay ideas, <laughs> otherwise known as Hamlet. And uh, uh, to thine own self be true, I think uh, th- that works pretty well. And uh, Have you been true to, to your own vision as a filmmaker or as uh, a film distributor? I think as a well as a film distributor it's basically all about uh, have you know filleting the fucking people I have to talk to groveling uh, yeah hers doesn't do that I I'm the one that goes to to do that right uh, and I'm not bad at it but it 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 doesn't really you have to have a film that's entertaining and and you still it's still this just the story it's still the entertainment our movies we made the the Troma's War uh made in 1986 uh, people are still booking it into theaters. You know, uh, you know, one night midnight show, right, Romeo sure. and Juliet by James Gunn, r- written by James Gunn, uh, which I directed in '94, is still b- b- being booked into theaters. And Museum of Modern Art, Romeo and Juliet. In fact, uh, Return to Return to uh, Newcomb High, uh, which is a two-part movie. Volume right. one was premiered at the Museum of Modern Art in New York. And volume two um, at the Museum of the Moving Image uh, returned just uh, last year. Uh, so here Fantastic. are movies that are in museums that are new, brand new. Uh, but on the other hand, um, I would uh, suggest that we're not exactly uh, uh, rich. Uh, we, you know, it's a different world. It's- well, let's talk about how that world is different. You've now created a streaming channel a trauma streaming channel that's available now. Um, how difficult is it in getting your movies booked into theaters, or do you even bother with the theatrical these days? Do you go direct to a video on demand, or do you make deals with the streaming companies like Netflix and Amazon? Uh, what is your business model these days? Well, it's pretty much the same. It's always been uh, to do what's in your heart, make your own damn movies, and I've written seven books all about yeah. that. Two of them are novels, but the rest are all instructive. Uh, and supposedly, in my head, they're instructive. Uh, they're very funny if you want to be entertained. Oh, I've, uh, I've read uh, a couple of them. Well, I'm in you. one of them. <laughs> thank you. And uh, make your own damn movie is uh, uh, direct your own damn movie, produce your own damn movie, sell your own damn movie. I think they're still very pertinent. But the idea was uh, we we from the beginning was to create a little brand like a a, a I, I uh, when I got a, I. One one of the few things I learned at Yale was, uh, other than drugs and my major, mm-hmm. was uh, comic books. I didn't read them. I never read them. Mm. Other, you know, I've, Oliver Stone had Scrooge McDuck. I remember that. And I, lo- yeah. my folks didn't really permit, or did, you know, we never had them. We didn't have Coca Cola either. But um, um, <laughs> we, we uh, uh, so so um, uh, I kind of uh, ingested this. Uh, uh, I don't know how to exactly describe it, but the idea of building a, a brand. Uh, right. And st- and I searched out, uh, because I had, the guy next door to me at Yale had uh, a big collection of Marvel comics, and I had never seen them. I, I didn't. Amazing. I, Spider-Man, my God, look how beautiful. This is 1964, 65, right. 66, and the beauty of it. And uh, and I love all the alliteration, you know, uh, uh, you know, he'd give the names to Steve Dit, you know, sexy Steve Ditko. He'd give him a cra- or right, the right. penciler, you know, penciler. What's that? I didn't yeah. even know. Pencils but, and inks. But and I was, colors, I was. So. Uh, so the minute I got out of school, I searched out Stan Lee, and and well, you uh, wrote with Stan, right? Yeah. Well, eventually, uh, yeah. He he uh, he. Uh, in those days, he wasn't really Stan Lee. He was working uh, at a company called Magazine Management, which produced Marvel comics, and uh, on Madison, on, in New York City. And my, uh, I think it was my, uh, anyway, in New York City, he lived in New York, not far from my house. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, we hit it off. And uh, he uh, gave me a, t- a quarter inch tape uh, that, with an idea he had for a movie. And I, I you know, had a quarter inch tape recorder and I listened to it and uh, I wrote The Night of the Witch. Uh-huh. And uh, it got immediately optioned uh, right away by uh, the company for which I was uh, sweating, uh, named Canon. Oh uh, yes, and it Golan. was before the boys from before Tiberius. Golan and yeah, before yeah. them, and uh, uh, John G. Avelson, where I met him, he was ah. uh, um, working there. And um, but the film uh, never got made. No, it never got made. I had it. I actually years later, I had money for it, uh, like a two million bucks from uh, Scandinavia, and uh, and in pa- Stan was wild up. He was all excited. Uh, it would have been Stan Lee's uh, Night of the Witch, uh, you know, directed by Lloyd Kaufman, 
and we had meetings with the guys from Finland, the, with the money guys. Uh, they came in uh, to meet with him uh, here, and uh, and it was it looked like it was going to happen. And then uh, came the final, the big lunch with Stan and his partner and me uh, in Pal, the Pal Productions guy. They're very nice guy. Mm -hmm. But we had lunch, and I was thinking, okay, this is great. We're going to do this, and it'd be, make history, right? A big buzz, right? Yeah. Stan Lee and Lloyd Goffman. And because uh, Stan was the one who got Toxic Avenger into Marvel, right? The oh, comic is books. That right? Yeah, it was ah, only because of him. Right. Because they only, you know, for the most part, Marvel only does uh, things they own, franchises Original they own. Stuff, toxic yeah. Avenger they didn't own; they just licensed it for the right, comic books. Right. And they licensed Toxic Crusaders, and that was thanks to Stan. And um, so uh, I wrote the Night of the Witch, and um, and uh, oh no, so I got these guys from Finland. And, uh, you know, kind of a, it would still be low budget by, your, by you know, Hollywood sta mainstream standards. And, Two uh, million is not that bad. Well, yeah. for us, it'd be, yeah, that, that would uh, be the great. biggest budget I've ever done was Kabuki <laughs> Man, which was one million in wow. 1989. Now the, the uh, hashtag Shakespeare Shitstorm was not even half a million. It was like 400 and something. Wow. So it gets, uh, uh, that's because we get everybody, uh, fans are on our movies, so they work for very little. Mm -hmm. And uh, some of the good people from here come to work for us because they uh, can and experiment and have some fun. You shoot everything in New York and New Jersey and the environs, right? Well, we shot part of Hashtag Shakespeare Shitstorm in Albania. We're the first American oh uh, movie company to come uh, film in Albania. Wow. And uh, they did a great job, and uh, we got great value, and even they even did some very good CGI for us. And based on that, Fangoria has just uh, made... Uh, uh, the remake of Castle Freak oh, in yeah. Albania. In Albania. The, oh, the whole thing. And for a budget 10 times what, what I think we are. You know, with star, they had stars and, uh, you know, I don't know what the budget was. We but love Fangoria. It this, seemed like a big yeah. deal. Yeah. Yeah, was, that's great. But based on the fact that we did it and got successful. And that was Albania's gamble. They want to be like Romania, you know, with the movies, you know, Romania's got this flourishing movie theater, a movie studio movie market, world yeah, and Bulgaria yeah. too. And uh, They're very competitive now. Yeah. And so Albania wants great. part of that action and uh, they figured if they give us a good deal, the most of the American producers are chicken shit. You know, they don't want, <laughs> they don't want to be first, God forbid, you know, or, or because they might get fired. They might, you know, they might lose their, their job wearing a suit and tie. So, <laughs> although I am wearing a suit and tie. So, there you go. But they can't, uh, only, it's jeans too. Only my yeah. wife could fire me. <laughs> so, I've come you, close to. You were raised in a rather repressive uh, household then? You went no, to Catholic very, school? No, my folks were like Jet Set. Uh, ah, no, okay. they were wild. They're much wilder than they, they And they got divorced, of course. But, but you uh, said there was no Coca-Cola, there were no... Yeah, they were kind of, uh, kind of you know, I had French, I had a French, uh, Swiss-French governess as a kid and learned French at home. And so was, you had a privileged growing up. Oh, bourgeois to the extreme. You know, what did the, your dad do? He was, uh, uh, he created uh, the uh, securities, uh, the stockholder lawsuit, basically. Uh, his entire career was based on uh, Section 16B of the uh, Securities Exchange Commission, which I put in a lyric... <laughs> <laughs> the poultry guy, Snight of the Chicken Tail. Oh, there we Yeah, are. it's yeah. actually, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on in trauma movies. And, you know, a lot of the gatekeepers, they don't really watch our movies. Yeah, and right. uh, if they did, they would, they, 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 well, the Museum of Modern Art obviously did because they right. premiered. And they, you know what they did with the Return to Newcomb High, which they premiered it with the, in a series called the, uh, the Contenders, which is their 13-movie uh, series, annual series, with what they consider the most important movies from around the world. Wow. Woody Allen, Coen Brothers, Scorsese, Co uh, Sofia Coppola. Uh, Kaufman. The French, the French, yeah, and there I was. <laughs> and the curator, when he uh, introduced me, he said this could be his last day of employment with the Museum of Modern Art. But the security guys told me they had the biggest turnaway ever for Return to Newcomb High Volume 1 because the this. Wow. People want to see trauma movies, but they can't get them. It's hard they want to, to see them on a big screen, yeah. and it's hard to get. If I direct a movie, I can get some theaters, but I mean, we have young directors who are terrific, and the theaters don't want to hear about it. You know, nobody yeah. returns our calls. You know, well, the competition is between those movies and the two hundred million dollar Marvel theme. Yeah, and unfortunately, a lot of the the so-called independent theater chains are owned by uh, kind of mini conglomerates, and they are yeah. living for, off of. Uh, the vassals of the majors, Fox Searchlight, that's what's considered uh, independent, or uh, the or other one, that you, Sony or, yeah. uh, Classics, yeah. or, and yeah. they're good movies, yeah. they're excellent movies. 
they're not going to change the world the way the Toxic Avenger or, or Terra Firma is doing, but uh, they are certainly entertaining and brilliant movies by talented people and, in many cases, uh, very uh, worthy. If you had a blank check, what would you make? I would stick to my... Uh, I might uh, add, instead of a half a million dollars, I might ask for another 500000 to uh, get better actor and better, maybe get better writing. Hmm. But uh, if I had that, uh, you know, that huge budget, I'd I'd have a hundred people making half a million dollar movies. And is uh, there a dream re- movie that you have yet to make that you really are dying <laughs> to tackle? If I, if I had to, oh, that's a good question. Yeah, it would be Pal Joey, uh, my favorite really? musical. It's very dark. Uh, it's based on a John O'Hara short story, uh, and that's terrific. And uh, they they've made a bad movie when they made it. Very it's Hollywood. Terrible. Uh, it's musical. horrible. It's yeah. uh, they made all every mistake possible. And uh, in spite of the most brilliant uh, satire and, and witty uh, songs, and uh, but it is dark, and they should have kept it. it would you know? Uh, but I, I don't think the uh, Richard Rogers and Lorenz Hart estate is going to be interested in a Lloyd Kaufman <laughs> uh, so, version of Pal Joey. But it's got everything trauma in it. I mean, it's terrific. Well, tell me about your first experience with an audience when you made your first movie and it played in the the, the cinema, and you were there in the back row, I'm guessing. Uh, tell me what that experience was like. I made a 16 millimeter movie in uh, when I was in Yale, feature length. Well, it was it was seventy uh, uh, something minutes, which for you film students out there, um, here's a secret for you: if you make a 72 minute movie that's really boring and that it's in black and white with no sync sound, it seems like it's a 90 minute movie. In fact, you, <laughs> so there's a way to save money. <laughs> I, and I learned with that movie, uh, they, uh, the Yale Film Society premiered it and charged a dollar. And, um, and it went around to uh, Ivy League colleges and a few others. And I learned that is, no matter how bad the movie is, uh, the audiences don't usually, uh, they don't ask for their money back. So that was very valuable. Mm-hmm. And I also learned <laughs> they put a, uh, I had a, uh, the girl who returned is, is, is it couldn't be, it, it's G-rated or, it it has it it's a um, kind of about an Olympics. Men uh, and women live in different uh, parts of the world, and it, every four years they have uh, Olympic games. And there's a the um, protagonist in my movie was a young woman with very large love pillows, and she was a jog. You know, she was a long distance runner, and there was a shot where she's flopped on the ground, uh, uh, facing upright, sweaty, and. But the T-shirt she was wearing w- made her look kind of sexy. And the, by accident, I shot a, a still that looked pretty sexy. So that was the poster, The Girl Who Returned. Uh, <laughs> and they put that up around campus. And the same night, they were playing, I, I, I think it was Moonrise uh, by Borzegi. Right, right. And, uh, you know, like three people showed up. All they did was uh, Moonrise by by uh, Frank Borzegi. And that was right, it. You know, right. Just a bla- basically yellow and black poster. But the girl to return was packed, there so you that go. was very valuable lesson. So that was and Borzegi's movie, which is a that's a masterpiece. It Borzegi's is. movie, yeah. Uh, and uh, is it called Moonrise? Was I right? Uh, I, I think you're. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think it's yeah. Moonrise. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, so that was too valuable. <laughs> well, what was? But the idea of an audience. What yeah. Michael Hers and I, we are still amazed that people will buy a ticket to see something. We we still. I'm 73 years old. It's still a miracle uh, to see people lining up or buying something that that we made. I mean, it's incredible. Tell me the first really great experience, the one that was like, oh, man, am I glad I chose this. The, the, uh, where you never been, there has never been that particular moment. Surely there's it's been always, a, a screening, or, or you've gone to a movie on 42nd Street or whatever that one of your movies have played where the audience roars they yes have a great there's time. a lot of that but and, but, and me, certainly yeah. at the uh, uh film festivals uh, yeah. and uh, you know our fans the trauma fans are rabid but i mean they the beginning terrific. when you're when you're a young filmmaker starting out first second third movie you go in there and you see an audience transfixed by what you did it i never appreciated it i've yeah. never really until recently, when the fact that we have 30-year-old movies that fill up a house yeah. in a faraway state, you know, where I've never been and has never played a trauma movie ever, uh, you know, like Montana, uh, and right. I, I go out there and they, uh, they're packed, uh, that's pretty exciting. But uh, Or the fact that uh, hashtag Shakespeare shitstorm, everybody in that movie, we have thousands of people in that movie, 
almost all of them were fans. Many wow. of them worked as background people for a hot dog. You know, for, we didn't even get a hot lunch. And uh, the the DP is a Hollywood guy. The uh, the effects uh, did uh, uh, big movies here, Jurassic uh, Park, and mm. and um, they they were fans. They do it out of love. And That's fans really yeah, yeah. They really and they get to experiment. They get to you know, and they can move up the food chain. You know, the guy who was operating the camera can now be. Uh, uh, the DP, you know, that kind of stuff. The same way that we've introduced tons of famous, everybody from Samuel Jackson to uh, Fergie to... To, uh, to James Gunn. Yeah, James Gunn, Eli yeah. Roth, uh, Oliver Stone. He'd be writing shitty novels if, if he it was. He was watching me make movies at Yale, and it turned out he's a, a movie genius. But yeah. they, he got in because uh, uh, of me. He's in uh, the first movie I ever had in a real theater, Battle of Love's Return. Uh, Lynn Lowry, who you probably know, uh, sure. is, that's her first movie. And there was Warhol people, but Oliver's in it briefly. She, she was and, in Shivers and, and Cat People. And, yes, and, she was, and, yes. And, of course, uh, Romero's uh, movie, uh, uh, which was re, uh, was named... Uh, oh, was the, the, the one with several titles. Um, yeah, it was wife. a code name Trixie was the second name. Jack's that, Wife. or Yes, it became yeah, Jack's, Jack's Wife, wife but yeah. before the, the original title was The Crazies. Right, The Crazies. And the, and the theaters wouldn't take it because crazy was too much, uh. right? <laughs> we, uh, we were involved in making a movie uh, uh, that Tarantino just showed before he played. He opened, uh, he showed it at the New Beverly called yeah. Sweet Savior, uh. where Troy Donahue plays a... Uh, a uh, it plays Charles Manson character, but it isn't about Manson, but it's right, clearly right. inspired by that, and it was made then. So and double bill that with Once Upon a Time. Well, he in Hollywood. he did that. Yeah, he he, yeah. Uh, he had a print. His of it, theater obviously. is so great. He had yeah. a print of it. Yeah. yeah. So so um, the, the 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 theaters wouldn't take the title Sweet Savior because it's got a religious thing. Mm. I mean, it was a different world. So I can't remember what they changed it to, but it took the wind out of it. And, uh, so who are your heroes? My heroes, I would say, are the uh, great, uh, in terms of movie, the movie. In, let's talk movies. Oh, the great yeah. directors by far. You know, Stan Brakhage is yeah. the, in my opinion, uh, the greatest, other than Mick Garris, maybe right, the greatest. Right. Uh, yeah. Stan, Stan Brakhage, the greatest visual artist of my lifetime. Very expressionistic. Yeah. And we brought him to Yale, them. too. We brought yeah. him there. And the, I, I did an interview with him on the radio station. Hmm. I interviewed him, Lillian Gish, and Montgomery Clift. Uh, with whom I probably could have had a blowjob. Uh, uh, but uh, he definitely was very interested in my belt, which looked like this, which is oh. a plain old belt. But uh, <laughs> nice guy. He, he lived next door to us in New York, and uh, one night he got drunk and rang our doorbell. He could see me in my bedroom uh, at my uh -huh. mother's home, and he came around the front and rang the bell, and I had the reel-to-reel -reel tape recorder, so I, I interviewed him. Uh, my father said, hey, I, you're trying to do the radio. Why don't you interview this guy here? I, and I knew nothing. I knew absolutely nothing. I was like, I'm, I, you know, I, I thought these questions were really stupid. But nice guy. He was a really nice guy. But I didn't make it on the radio station because I had a big mouth. And, uh, <laughs> and the Stan Brackage thing. Stan Brackage. It was an hour. And I asked yeah. him one question, and he spoke for an hour. But what he said was so brilliant. But the little boys wanted to hear the Supremes or some shit, yeah. you know. I mean, I like the Supremes, but, of course. you know, here's Stan Brackage. Yeah, yeah. Then we showed Art of Vision, and, it, and just hearing him talk about it, much less watching it. Uh, what about know. the narrative filmmakers? Who, who oh, are your favorites? Uh, Chaplin, Keaton, John Ford, Howard Hawks, Sam Fuller, Jean Renoir. Or, modern? Uh, uh, the modern? Uh, yeah. Well, Takashi Miike, he was a big oh, yeah. fan. I met him when he was a teenager, and he, he was a big fan. But I He did one of our Masters of Horror. Yes, yeah. and it was a good... It was, it was maybe I, It might be the best one. I mean, they're all great, but uh, his was... He's amazing. Unbelievable. Yeah. He made a samurai mo movie for TV with no, no fighting, no samurai. <laughs> and, it, and it's riveting. You can't take yeah. your eyes off it. It's beautiful to look at. Um, uh, and I, uh, he, he did a movie called Happiness of the Ketakuras yeah. in which people are singing and dancing, and it's got suicide, but there's sing people singing and dancing, which yeah. gave me the courage to make Poultry Geist into a musical. As a musical. It was a big ambition of mine was to have singing and dancing. I do have, uh, every movie I've made pretty much has at least one song or two sung on screen. And, uh, well, you, know. you have the heart of a music lover, yes. I do, I do, yeah. or at least of the musical, of the great musicals. Musical uh, lover. I do yeah. love uh, musicals. And, well, let's get back to the business of today. Yes. Is, has it become much more difficult to find funding to make a film these days? 
Well, if you tell the truth, for uh, it's impossible. What am I going to tell people? Uh, I just spent five years making a two-volume movie, probably my best work, uh, and we won't make a penny. Uh, would you like to invest? <laughs> I, I can't. I can't yeah. tell people that. Like, yeah. There's no way I can ask for investors. So uh, the investors who come in, uh, they they just fans. They know they're going to lose their money, and they they, they and we don't get many investors. So it's like you. crowdfunding in a lot of no, sources. No, no, very little. We did it once. Okay. We did crowdfunding twice, and I don't want to do it again because our fans are very poor, and they shouldn't be doing that. They should yeah. just not. They 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 should be paying their student loans and not fucking around with financing trauma movies. And we were successful both times, but um, but also we in fact. We did do some of Return to Return to Newcomb High, aka Volume Two. We we were really broke, and we either the movie sits for two or three months, or we uh, we do Kickstarter, and our fans came through with eighty eighty thousand bucks, I think wow. it was. But we still haven't sent them the premiums because the thing has been going theatrical. The mo- the Blu-ray has just been finished, and this has got to be five years. Wow. Well, I, it, you know, art is not, uh, in, you know, it's not instant coffee. No, and it's, <laughs> it's a very different world. I take a long time. People think, oh, you have so much fun and, you know, you whip this stuff together. Not at all. We do distribute movies where the younger people are much more agile with the digital format and they're fast and they're good. Right. But I, I can't, uh, it takes me a long time. How do you see the future of trauma? I honestly, I don't know. I think the movies will take on, uh, some of them already have a life of their own. I honestly don't know. I don't know. We have about 15 movies that uh, are the main ones that bring in revenue. We have a huge library, uh, so you know we don't. We we've had offers to sell it, but I was buddies with Sam Arkoff, Samuel uh-huh. Z. Arkoff, yeah. and he told me the biggest regret he ever had was uh, selling uh, American International Pictures uh, to uh, who was it? Uh, Filmways, I think. Right, Viacom, became but, Filmways. Yeah, yeah. And, and all his stuff got dispersed and. Uh, the brand was uh, destroyed. Well, you talk about having so much regret. What is your biggest regret? I think the biggest regret is my mouth. Uh, really? There's no reason for me to have mouthed off so much against uh, Sundance or Cannes Film Festival or or the MPAA or uh, Rupert Murdoch. You know, I became chairman of the Independent Film and Television Alliance. Who most of whom are living off the crumbs that fall off Rupert Murdoch's table, and and uh, when I was elected, I got us, I got the uh, treasury of our trade association to do uh, to produce a uh, cartoon uh, rap song uh, starring Rupert Murdoch. Uh, uh, it was very funny too, and uh, uh, the uh, uh, where he's dancing around, talk, you know, doing rap, but uh, very clever lyrics uh, and. Uh, we, we, I got uh, one of the trauma animators to do it for virtually nothing. Yeah. And, uh, and the board was incensed. Uh, you were insulting Rupert Murdoch. You know, they were upset. Oh, dear. Yeah, it was like 2004. You must, you must love succession. So, um, uh, well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, but the point is, is that, uh, you know, there's, it's, it's, I don't think you could start a trauma today. I, 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 you know, we, as I mentioned, Stan Lee's universe, that was the, the Marvel universe is, we're like an underground Marvel universe. Mm. You know, we have our characters, we have, um, uh, we make our own movies, we own our building, we, we got a big library, we don't have any debt. Yeah. We're kind of able to keep going. Uh, uh, we have uh, about, uh, I mean, even today, there's a fair amount of Toxic Avenger uh, uh, merchandise that's out there being sold. And it's actually had a little comeback and uh, we just got our first blood-sucking freaks uh, licensing. Uh, I don't go. remember what the product was, but but uh, it was something like uh, uh, gloves. Or it was There's I can't a world remember the blood-sucking freaks product potentials out there. Well, I don't know. <laughs> it's the first one. It's been a long time. <laughs> so, what would you say is your greatest accomplishment? Well, I think the thing I'm most proud of is I've had the same wife for 45 years, yeah. and I've had the same partner for 45 years in my business, uh, and. Uh, that's a pretty good thing. That's you know, an not too many people can say that. Yeah, that's not for in this sure. business. That's for <laughs> Especially sure. Especially the wife part. <laughs> but uh, I guess just the idea that we've been—you know—I don't think there's been an independent movie studio that has been in uh, that's left such a footprint on the uh, countryside of uh, of the art. I mean, you with a single ownership. Yes, continuous same management for yeah. forty-five years. You look at the people who've come out of our company. You look at the influence. I mean, the Deadpool guys. I never met them, but I mean, they uh, talk about uh, Toxic Avenger. Uh, 
Uh, in fact, uh, Legendary is remaking the Toxic Avenger with a, a out of the box a, a, um, a very interesting guy uh, named uh, Macon Blair. Uh, terrific. He's um, only made one movie himself, but he's written uh, Green Room and Blue uh, 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 Blue Rising. Is it called? Oh uh, no, um, Murder Party and Blue I, something. Uh, I, I know terrific. Which one you mean? Yeah. And uh, he lives in uh, he lives outside the uh, he lives in uh, Austin. And uh, he's obsessed with trauma. And he wrote uh, the script for them. And I've read it. And it's better than the original Toxic Avenger. But it hews to the spirit of, of trauma. And, uh, you know, they'll make it R-rated. It won't be uh, graphic. But right. uh, why not? It's going to be great. It's very entertaining. And uh, I think it's... Trauma goes mainstream? If they let him, if they let him direct it, I, it's going to be good. That's all I care about. You know, I've never... I've, I've, I, if it's good and entertaining... Uh, Terra Firmer, a movie nobody showed up for in 1999. We couldn't get it in anywhere. It's flying. Uh, Blu-rays, we can't. Uh, we they you can't imagine. It's suddenly come to life. So physical media still works for you. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah, a lot because nobody uh, they, uh, the word of mouth. It's all because word there's of mouth. no other way to get. Well, the theatrical to, yeah. when Return to Newcomb High uh, Volume One came out, we had maybe 200 theaters. Uh, most of them were limited to the weekend, like your nightmare uh, cinema. Yeah. But we had two weeks in, in L.A., and we had uh, two weeks in New York, and uh, it kind of pushes us up a, a little more. You know, uh, the, it sells the L.A. Times yes. gave it a pretty good review, yeah. and New York Times gave it a review I'll never forget. And uh, <laughs> fuckers, <laughs> <laughs> this shit. Those are the ones that are hard That's to forget. That's the thing. Right? I ha that I'm bitter about. I mean, come on, give me a break. We had animated. We had we had credits that an artist did that were beautiful, and they were 3D animated. We had uh, singing and dancing. We had there were things in that movie that just just the fact that we're almost 45 years. He says a would be studio. You know, he can't, <laughs> he couldn't say anything. Uh -huh. Nothing about the fact that all uh, you know it's kind of legendary and. You know, Vincent Canby, the critics of the other critics of the Times, they always say, uh, and we're New York. And right. this guy just killed us. Uh -huh. Meanwhile, the Museum of Moving Image and Museum of Modern Art uh, are highlighting it. So, uh, but, uh, but the point is, it gives us, to be in the theaters, um, it gives us a little bit of cachet. And the movies in my head are made for the theaters. There's tons right. of little details in our movies. You call it shtick. But uh, while the protagonists of the film are on screen doing whatever it is, there are people in the background uh, doing also. We have a guy in uh, Joe Lynch. You know him. Oh, I he know He directed Joe. for you, sure. I think, right? Didn't he uh, not for me, oh, but oh. Uh, yeah. But at any rate, he's very successful now. Yeah. He, had a, he played a background character in... in uh, he was on the crew, but he played a background character in uh, Terra Firmer, Clothespin Boy. And uh, he would have clothespins, but he, and, and you'd see him in the background doing absolutely ridiculous stuff. Yeah. But, it, but people... He he says people, uh, uh, you know, Recognize when he goes to conventions, like, yeah, yeah clothespin sure. boy, you know, in, spite, uh, in, in addition to his uh, successful movies. Yeah. Well, Lloyd, revenge is sweet, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate you joining us for Postmortem. Well, hashtag Shakespeare's shitstorm is about brutal revenge. The Tempest was, uh, uh, Prospero wanted the brutal revenge, but I, I don't want any revenge. I'm like you. Yeah. I've got a good run. I've been so fucking lucky, you know, wife, yeah. partner. Uh, I've been able to make movies for 50 years that I've had fun making. You know, I can't say fun, but I've had fun uh, seeing them out, you know, because they're yeah. good. They're good movies. You get to do what you love to I do. I got to do what I love to yeah. do. You know, this is interesting. James Gunn, I, I guess we're running out of time, but he, he, he was, we run Troma Dance uh, for 20 years. Right. Uh, Your version uh, of uh, Sundance. Well, we did it at Sundance for yeah. 10 years, but now it's a kind of a real festival and we do it in New York. But he was uh, on the panel one year and he, so he was telling people, you know, you should do what you're good at. And I say, no, you do what you want to do. <laughs> if I did, was doing what I was good at, I probably would be, uh, I was in George Bush's class uh, at oh, Yale, God. and I bet you I would have been where he is. I was really good at uh, President politicking. Kaufman. Yeah, and yeah. and he could have, uh, based on his uh, his administration, I think could have Could made have run trauma? Very, very good trauma <laughs> movies. <laughs> Come on, that, the world he'd lived in. Oh, my God. The ideas he had, they were, you couldn't think those, couldn't write that stuff. <laughs> Think some of the things he said. Aye. Of course, you got a guy now who's he's going to go on the circuit. Makes George look brilliant. Oh well, also he's uh, funny as fuck. Uh, Trump, the uh, press, the the uh, those rallies he has, they're hilarious. 
serious. He's got a great career if he's not in jail. <laughs> Hoping for the latter. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, you're the Thank best. You, Thank you, Thank Mick you. Jack. Thank you're you so much. Great to spend Mick some Harris. time with you. Just so you know, Trauma has a streaming channel. It's watch.trauma.com, and uh, you can subscribe to it. It's five bucks a month, and you get a free one-month trial to check it out. You can also watch 250 free movies on Trauma's YouTube channel, youtube.com slash user slash Trauma Movies. And their latest feature, Return to Newcomb High Volume 2, is coming soon. If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you would let the world know about it by reviewing and rating it on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you have comments or questions for our Ask Mick Anything shows, send them to producer Joe at Joe Russo Tweets or to at Mick Garris PM on Instagram or Twitter or the Postmortem with Mick Garris Facebook page. This is a brand new address, so don't forget it. That's at Mick Garris PM on both Twitter and Instagram. And if you'd like to see my vintage and recent video interviews, making of documentaries, and audiobooks of some of my short stories, go to my website, MickGarrisInterviews.com. Thanks for listening to Postmortem with Mick Garris. Download new episodes every other Wednesday and subscribe on iTunes. Calling all coffee drinkers. If you've been trying to enhance your daily coffee routine, then Quest has got your back with their brand new iced coffees. Now available in two delightfully delicious flavors that'll be sure to add an extra pep in your step. Vanilla latte and mocha latte. Quest has been on a mission to help fuel you with protein-forward foods you'll love. Each bottle of Quest iced coffee is packed with 200 milligrams of caffeine, the same amount as two cups of regular coffee, plus 10 grams of protein per serving to help you supercharge your day. And did I mention that they only contain one gram of sugar? It might just be time to cheat on your iced coffee with iced coffee. Find Quest iced coffees on Amazon.com slash Quest Nutrition. That's Amazon.com slash Quest Nutrition.